0: Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at GPC, we want you to know God, love people, and live sent. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by this week's message. If you want to learn more about Grace Point, head over to gracepointchurch.net. And now, this week's message. Morning, Grace Point. My name is Richard Morrison. My wife, Martha, and I have been coming here to Grace Point For about seven years now, going on seven years. We've met some great people, made some super friends. And I want to talk about two of those friends. They took on a project about five years ago to, to tell Martha and I about Jesus and to bring us to Jesus and to live that life. And I want you to know, in my case, it wasn't an easy task. But Tom Ellis and Marianne Ellis took that on, took that project on, and in about a year, they got us there. And four years ago, they baptized us right here in this corner. So, I have been asked and I am honored to read some scripture to you this morning. If you want to follow along, I'll be in chapter Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's son came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, "What do you wish?" She said to him, "Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom." But Jesus answered and said, "You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am about that I am baptized with?" They said to him, "We are able." He said to them, you will, be, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And then the ten heard it and they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are in great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoso, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. My friends, that is the word of God.
1: Thank you. Y'all can be seated. Love Richard. Listen, what an incredible story and journey. Uh, Richard is actually uh, a cousin of mine, and to say that he was a project is, to, uh, uh, is a small statement. Uh, I literally have known him all my life growing up. And him coming to Grace Point for the very first time was actually in the loss of a loved one. And he came for the funeral. And it was one of those that God continued to lay on his heart the need to come back um, to Grace Point. And so there for a while, he just came. And so I went to his house and um, tried to have a conversation with him about faith. And he went immediately to an intellectual level and couldn't break through that wall. And so I, I'm just going to commit myself uh, to praying for Richard. And so I did. Uh, in fact, uh, if you notice, we have done this little live sync cart. And we put on there names. I ask you week one. Who do you identify? Who do you see? Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Who do you see? Who are you identifying? And start praying for them. And I can't tell you how long you're going to pray for them. Um, but this is not the first time that we've done this. Is actually we've done this multiple times. And one of those times, guess whose name was on my card? It was Richard Morrison. And, uh, I put the date on here when we start, I started praying for him and he had been coming to the church for about a year. Um, and one year from this, he receives Christ and is baptized and declares his faith in Christ. So literally a two year process, one of those being Just intentional praying. The the, the Ellis is pouring into him. Isn't God good? He answers our prayer. Would you give God another round of applause? Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayers. You may not pray in two days. You may not see it in two months. You may take two years. It may take two decades. But keep praying for the people that God puts in your life. And be ready and waiting. For, for those opportunities to have those conversations. And we talked about, again, that identification is the first thing. And just as I identified Richard, so did Tom and Mary uh, uh, identify uh, Richard and Martha and just how they literally locked in on them, began praying for them, and then began to invite them. Remember, that's another word that we talked about. Inviting them into safe conversations. I think they invited them to their small group. I think they had lots of times to sit down uh, over coffee or tea your meals together, and just, again, have conversations, exactly what Jesus did with people. And from that, that investment of, uh, that inviting leads to that investment of the gospel penetrating someone's heart uh, that is life-changing and that is beautiful and powerful in time. Listen, that's what it's all about. It's seeing more people, Become followers and disciples of Jesus, more and better disciples throughout our lives together. The passage of scripture that we led, that that, that Richard read for us today, we're going to focus on for a few moments. But I want you to uh, understand and remember something. Uh, when we talked about in this series, kicking it off, we're talking about making our life count. What's it going to take for your life to count, to mean something, to have an impact? to have a high-impact kind of life? What's it going to take for me to achieve greatness, if you want to call it that? Because greatness is something I think we all want, whether you're in sports or in business or in in the neighborhood, you want your yard to look better than your neighbor's yard. We're always trying to achieve and and get better than the other person. Well, we're going to look today at a passage of Scripture where uh, we have the first-century bulldozer mom. Okay. if you don't know a bulldozer or helicopter mom, this is this is it. Okay, this is where mom steps into the conversation with Jesus and says, hey, my boys need to be on the honor roll or my boys need to be in the starting lineup. Or my boys need to, they, they need to be sitting next to, to, to the throne, next to you on the throne. It is the first example that I can think of in the scriptures. And so let's, let's just kind of, with that filter in mind, l- listen to this, these words again. And the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, kneeling before him, and she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to set on your right and on your left, which is a prestigious position. Okay. It's a position of authority. It's a position of influence. It's like, put them on your right, put one on your left. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink to the cup that I'm drinking from? So Jesus responds immediately and says, I, I don't, I don't know if you know what you're asking. This is a big thing. And, and then he uses this metaphor of a cup. Are they able? Are you able, guys, are you able to drink the cup that I'm drinking from? And of course they don't understand. Are you able to drink the Kool-Aid I'm drinking? Are you able to do that? And they say yes. And could they? Are they able? Do they know what that cup means? That cup means suffering. That cup means ultimate servitude of your life and giving of your life. Are you are you able and ready to do that? Then skip down to verse twenty five. But Jesus called to them and said, You you know the rulers of the Gentiles rule it over them, and they're and and, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So he literally talks about the system of the day, the hierarchy of that world and, and the time in which they're living. You know the Gentiles. They're mean, they're cruel. The Gentiles, the Romans. You I mean they have a very much a chain of command, and if you're ever out of that chain of command, they'll whip you into shape. He said, All right. That's the system you're living in. That's what you think greatness is, is climb to the top. Become the CEO. Become the chairman. Become the boss. Become the captain. Whatever. You think that's what greatness is? And then he goes on. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you, must be your slave. Again, Jesus literally flips the script on greatness, flips the script on what it t- means to, to to really influence somebody's life, make a difference in somebody's life. But it's more than just that. Jesus goes on to model this. And even so, the Son of Man, remember that phrase? We've been studying it for the past several weeks. The Son of Man came. What did the Son of Man come to do? To be served? Nope but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Three statements, three occasions in the New Testament does it say the Son of Man came. We're literally diving into why did Jesus come? How did Jesus live out his divine calling to be the Son of Man? That messianic calling, how did he do that? First of all, we talked about how the Son of Man came and he identified, he sought out. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It said the very first week we talked about you, who do you see? In this story, Jesus sees Zacchaeus in a tree in the middle of a busy street and yet he calls Zacchaeus down and he goes to his house. So again, who do you see? Who have you identified in your life? The PVs. I just mentioned earlier, they're praying for the 20,000 people around within a, a quarter mile of their apartment complex. They're praying that God, would you help us to see and be people, uh, meet with people and to find that person to peace. Why is that? It's so important that we understand that as we identify that person, it's because friends don't let friends live without Jesus. You heard me say that a few weeks ago? You're me say it again. If you identify them as your friends and you're praying for them, you've got to make it your mission, your vision to see them come to salvation. Number two, you invite. That's exactly what Jesus did. Zacchaeus, what does he do? I'm going to your house. <laughs> Literally, Jesus invites himself in. And then, of course, Matthew last week, again, what does he do? He invites Jesus in, and a lot of other tax collectors to join him. What are they doing? They're eating and drinking together. They're creating safe environments for you to sit down and have gospel conversations. Now, Jesus is doing it with whom? Drunkards, tax collectors, sinners. So Jesus didn't mind sitting down with the riffraff of that society, with the broken of that society. But let me just remind you what I pointed out last week. He'll also do it with a Pharisee. Jesus is constantly setting down, having safe environments for conversations about what is right, what is wrong, what it means to follow him. I love, here's what I, so important to learn from last week, is the hospitality of Jesus with people far from him. So many times... We get in our little biblical study groups, our, 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 our small groups, and we kind of get us our, our groups together, and we forget the world out there. That's not the Jesus way. Jesus would come, and he would sit down with tax collectors and sinners. He would sit down with the Pharisees, and he would eat with them, creating these safe environments together to have gospel conversations with them. Now, we have done something, and I don't know if you put two and two together on this, but what we have been doing in this month of October is we have been building up to something. Next weekend is a big weekend for us. You've heard a lot of talk about candy and Treat Street and cars and decorations and all of that is all leading up to something. Yes, Treat Street is next, is this coming weekend? And we want you to be here and bring friends and all that kind of stuff. That's going to be on Saturday night. On Sunday morning, we're going to have a guest speaker. Uh, the KC Wolf is going to come. Any chief fans in the house? A few, okay, good. Feel free to wear whatever clothing team you want to wear next week. Okay, it's dress-up weekend, right? For the kids, you get to dress up next Sunday if you even care about fo- football. Uh, but anyway, he's going to share his story of a life-changing story that you won't want to miss. But again because you've identified and you're now inviting people, this is going to be a safe environment for you to bring somebody far from God, to set in a service, to hear a story, to go together for lunch afterwards, to process through this whole, what does Jesus mean to you conversation. And we've got other resources online that can help you. It's all, a lot of it's right here on your card. Keep it available. Here's the third word. Jesus identifies. The son of man came. Jesus invites, he invites himself in to people's lives, but he also invests. The Son of Man came the third time. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price, gave and invested himself in the betterment of humanity. In your life, in my life, he invests himself. Now, there's three ways you can live your life, okay? One of them is wasted. There's a lot of people who waste their life. They literally go from one dumpster fire to the next dumpster fire. They go from one broken promise to another broken promise. They go from one job to another job, one relationship to another relationship. They're literally, you just watch them sometimes and you scratch your head and you go, When are you going to get off the crazy train? I know you aren't that person, but you know people who are like that people. What, what, do you, what do you do with that? Well, that's somebody you need to be praying for, that's somebody you need to be inviting into gospel conversations. Don't waste your life. Second is you can spend your life. Make as much as you can. Get as much as you can. Do as much as you can. Make it all about you doing you. Living your most plush life, your most idealistic life. Just spend your life and at the end of your life, you're done. Nothing to say or account for much other than the life that you lived for you. Or you can invest your life. That's the Jesus way. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Invest your life. Live it in such a way that your life becomes a conduit of God's blessing. Instead of a recipient, we pray constantly, God bless me, God bless, give me, God, God help me, God heal me, God, we, we do that a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's a stop there kind of thing, we've missed the, the, the biblical picture of what we're supposed to live like and it's supposed to be a conduit, even Abraham's life, what was that? His Abraham's life was blessed, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. If we understand that, that our life is actually to be invested into other people who are far from God, who we can make their, help make their life better, we can live in such a way that it helps impact their life for the good, then we are living the Christ-like life. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And there is no better example of that than when he went to the cross and how he lived his life. Because he even said, he said, no greater love has a man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. Who's your friend? How are you investing in their life to see them come to a faith relationship with Jesus? Listen, I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Philippians chapter 2. There's probably no succinct, probably five, six verses in the Bible, maybe the New Testament at least, in the, in the scriptures that point to the totality of who Jesus is. I'll say the whole Bible, because Jesus is in the New Testament. I'll say the whole Bible. There's no, the Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to verse 11. Those verses are so densely packaged. It's literally called a Christ hymn. That, notice this, for those who say Jesus didn't become God in people's minds until the 300s is an absolute bogus idea because in the 1st century when Paul is writing this letter to Philippi, he is already including a doctrinal statement about who Jesus is. So much so that it was a doctrinal statement that was written in two stanzas as if it was a hymn, as if it was song on on a Sunday morning, or in somebody's home. That's how important this little section of Scripture is. It's probably one of the first doctrinal statements about who Jesus is. And we have it right here in this passage of Scripture. And we understand it, Philippians chapter 2, because not only are we to learn of who Jesus is, but who Jesus is is supposed to impact who we are. Let me say it again. Who Jesus is is supposed to impact who we are. So we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? You have this mind in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. The scriptures talk about us having the mind of Christ. So he's literally going to tell us in this passage that we are to exercise, live in the thought processes, see life through, do life like Jesus did life. You have the mind of Christ. What does it look like? What does, it look, what does your life look like when the mind of Christ is yours? Now, let's read the doctrinal statement. It's a few short verses in Philippians chapter 2. Begin reading, follow along with me, uh, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, okay? Am I to underscore the word form? Form of God. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He's not going to hold on to something. He's going to let go of something. But emptied himself, taking the form, second form, underscore that one, of a servant. And being born in the likeness of a man and being found in human form, third form, different word but same concept, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now that is stanza one. Of the hymn. Stanza two is this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every other name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. Wow. You get pre-incarnation, incarnation. You get death of Christ. You get the exaltation of Christ. You get everything about Jesus in those, four, in those verses right there. That is the why I call it the most densely packaged message on Jesus. But we also understand how Jesus invests his life of which we can now take that form of investment and live it out in our life. Number one. Let's get this down. Number one, the way we invest our life is people over position. Jesus lived a life, people is more important than position. Okay? Jesus, eternal God, has always existed. John chapter 1, verse 1, read it for yourself. In in the beginning of time, God said to each other, the Trinity is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1. They created the world. Let's make man in our image. So you see the Trinity working in the Genesis account. You see John chapter 1 verse 1 talking about Jesus being, always being, uh, uh, existing. And now what we do is we have Jesus in all of the heavens. So he's always existed, but yet he did not hold on to something. He, He let go of it. Though in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. He didn't have to be there with the Father in the heavens. But what does he do? He empties himself. Does he empty himself of Godhead? No. Did he ever cease being godly? No. Did he ever cease being kind? No. He always had those attributes. He it was always God. But what he did is he let go of the position so that he could come to earth and be with us. They come on our behalf. Life principle for you. Jesus came to us because we could not go to him. There's no way we could have made it. Perfect God, perfect heaven, perfect, 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 imperfect, 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 everywhere around here. How does that bridge that gap? We can't get there. God comes to us because we could not go to him. The aspirations of greatness in our world, the aspirations, the thoughts of, I want to be somebody great. I want to make a big impact in my life was the story of my early years. In my 20s, I had big dreams. I was pastoring a small country church in Missouri. I wanted to pastor a bigger church in a town, not a countryside. And then I wanted to pastor that and I wanted to move on up to the county seat and to capital. And then I had big visions of a mega church one day. God would let me go over there. I wanted to lead an institution. I had big dreams. God interrupted all of that. When he took me from a county seat town and took me around the world, my my wife and I and two kids, three and um, five years old, took us and put us in Zambia and then put us in the village in Zambia that you had to go off of the tarmac onto a dirt road, that when the dirt road ended, then you kept going past where the road ended to a little village called Sienkwakwani. You will not find it on a map, okay? It's still not on a map. It's after Siampondo. You know where Siampondo is, right? That's the last schoolhouse before you get to this village. And it was like God took me from my visions of greatness to obscurity. And I can tell you right now, I went through my midlife crisis when I was 30 cuz I was in the middle of an African bush village and I was looking up and thinking is this where god has me? Nobody knows me. I'm I'm not significant. I don't have my name on a banner somewhere. Nobody kn-. But then there was this village, seeing Kwakwani, That I got to be, my wife got to be, my kids got to be and other people that we brought with us got to be the very first people to teach of Jesus in that village. And never had they ever heard of Jesus in that village and we got to go there. I can tell you right now, when you look back at what greatness was in my mind and you look at what Sinkwaquani was in my life, you know what made the greatest impact? Not my dreams and aspirations for chandeliers and mega churches, but it was in a village in Africa that has changed everything about my worldview. See, greatness is not about your position. It's about the people that God puts in your life that you get to show and share Jesus with, whether it's in Sienkwakwani or it's in Bentonville, Arkansas. Where is God putting you? It's gonna be people over position wherever it is. Jesus was fully God in all of the heavenlies and all of perfection, but he didn't hold on to that. He let go of that, and he emptied himself to be on this earth for you and me. Number two, serving over being served. Uh, If you go to a restaurant after this, you're going to want to be served. You're going to be paying good money for that service, right? We want service. We're used to service. We pay for service. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A very important theological statement happens between verse 6 and verse 8. Don't miss this. This is a powerful statement. We've already read how he, though he was in the form of God, morphe is the Greek word here, is the idea that his formation was God. Okay? Jesus was, is, and forever will be God. Okay? Let's just start the, the foundation there. It doesn't end there though. Because he takes on, if you keep reading, and though he's in the form of God, did not regard a quality thing as a God as a thing to be grasped. I'm reading too fast. But emptied himself by taking the form now he takes on the second form of a servant. So wait, he's a form of God or is it a form of if it's a form of a servant? Yes. See, what happens when God puts on flesh, it is God putting on flesh and not becoming a king on earth, not becoming a CEO on earth, not becoming the head of his class on earth, but becoming a servant. Taking on the life of a servant. It is service of Jesus that is an example to us all and him putting on flesh, and him walking among people, and him doing miracles is a beautiful story of service. I Here's a homework assignment I've given all the small groups to do this week. So if you're going to small groups this week, and I hope you are, write it down, do the homework before you get there. I want you to long list in your small groups All the things that you can look at Jesus in the life that he lived as a life of service. Every story, every account, I want you to come up with 20 to 30 of them. I'll give you a couple starters, okay? One couple that mean a lot to me is when Jesus is walking through the crowds and a lady reaches over and touches his garment, and she's been hemorrhaging for over a decade. Blood. And Jesus stops the parade, stops the madness, and turns around and addresses a lowly woman bleeding to death. Jesus was a servant. I think about the time when literally skins falling off of an individual because they have leprosy that's confined to a leper colony because you are so contagious and they did not want you to infect the world. But yet Jesus was literally willing to touch a hand of a leopard and give them new life. Jesus was a servant. When disciples are pushing the kids away and Jesus is saying, No, bring the kids to me. Don't only just bring them to me, I'm going to set them on my lap and I'm going to bless them. I'm going to hold them and bless them. What was Jesus' life lived for us is such an example of a life invested in making humanity so much better. If we would just live the life of Jesus, this world would be a better place. Would you take your cups today? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're in a relationship with Jesus, we are open for you taking communion with us. Would you just take out the wafer and just hold it in your hand for a moment? We're gonna do this in segments today. I just really want us to think about it for a moment. You've got the form of God taking on the form of a servant. Them coming together. Jesus putting on flesh to dwell among us. What is your story of Jesus coming among us living among us, living out a life in the flesh that means the most to you, that speaks most to your life. I think the cellophane has stopped moving in the room so we can take. Father, we thank you for your life and how you lived it for us. As an example, but more than an example, you were God you are God, and you became us. You became flesh, yet never ceasing to be God. Lord, we love you, and we're forever grateful for you. In Jesus' name, just let that wafer dissolve on your tongue. This is a personal preference, awkward as it may sound. We went to these after COVID. Uh, we've gone back and forth since then. But one of the things that this version of the wafer has made me do, because if you try to bite it down, it's like biting styrofoam. I figured that out the hard way. But I think it's intended to dissolve. I think it's intended to just let give you space to reflect on the life of Jesus. The third way he invests is not only people over position. It's not only serve being served versus serving. It's self-sacrifice over selfishness. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Now every one of us is gonna die. The statistics are pretty consistent, one out of every one. Okay? So it wasn't that Jesus died. It's that he was died on a cross. The most inhumane. The most brutal way to die. Perfect God. Giving up perfect heaven, not giving up his perfection, putting on flesh, dwelling among us, could have been just a good servant to us, done us a good example for all of us, heal people, heal people, move on. But no, even taking it down to the point of death, but even taking it down even further to the point of dying on a cross. Do you see the digression, the the willingness of our Jesus to invest in us? He can't go any lower. He can't invest anymore. That is the ultimate of his investment. John Calvin said, On the cross, destruction was destroyed. Torment was tormented. Damnation was damned. Death, dead. Mortality made immortal. Listen, Jesus leaves heaven, and he comes to this earth. Jesus is our God, and he comes to us to ransom us, to give his life as a ransom for many, Matthew 20 says. Now, who's the ransom? Who receives the payment? That's a debate among theologues out there. It's not believed in my circles that the ransom is paid to the devil. Oh, okay, I'm gonna go pay the devil off. No. It's the holiness of God. The payment of Jesus coming to earth, putting on flesh, dwelling among us, humbling himself as a servant, dying, dying, not only dying, dying on a cross, was all of that as to make a payment for the brokenness of our lives. Is to a holy God. God's holy. God's just. When you bring those two things together, none of us qualify to be in a relationship with God. The only way that that's going to happen is that somebody is going to come and have to stand in that gap and pay a price. And Jesus does that. Don't get over that, please. Let that sink deep inside of your soul without the shedding of blood. There can be no forgiveness of sin. Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6 prophesy. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that was brought us peace. That has brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone. We not only do it to ourselves, but we do it to our next generation and the next generation and the next generation. We turn everyone to their own ways. But the Lord has laid on him all of our sins. My friends, when we talk about Jesus today, we're talking about a person, a God man, who invested his everything and took on everything, every blow, every piercing, every mocking, every bruising. He took it all on for you and for me. And that should stir us, that should change us, that should move us, that should, in in fact, impact how we live out our life in this world. If you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know Jesus like that, if you've not experienced that level of his grace and forgiveness and love and care, do not move forward. Do not go home. Do not go any further in life. Don't pass go or collect $200. Right now, right where you are, tell Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I need that level of forgiveness. I need your grace, your goodness, Your payment for my sins. Christ has suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. We take this cup today, and you can open it now. Because of the blood of Christ, there is forgiveness of sin. Because of the blood, (laughs) there's power in the blood. We sing about that power, that wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Yes, it is in and through Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that your sin, your blood covers our sins. You were sinless. You were perfect. You are sinless, and you are perfect. And you embrace our brokenness by meeting us at the lowest level of humanity your crucifixion. Lord, thank you. We worship you. And we remember you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says as often as you drink this cup, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You realize if you just took that meal, you have something that this world doesn't have. Whether you're part of the 19 million people in Osaka or you're in the Himalayan mountain region right now or you are in Bentonville, Arkansas and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, You're missing it. If you do, you have a story to tell. You have a proclamation to give. And I want you to remember the last three Sundays, you've heard from Clint Gill on this stage about how Jeremy Rosencrantz and the neighbor invites him to church, starts that safe conversation process with him that years later through life and a series of events, Clint gives his life to Christ and again, a year ago was baptized. I want you to remember last week Nicole, who because of Matt Brooke investing in her, identifying, inv- inviting and investing in her in support group. Nicole was grew up uh Jehovah's Witness uh in a Catholic home and was lost in addictions and then all of a sudden through that process she becomes a follower of Jesus and is baptized. I want you to remember Richard's story that he just shared. And the process that you went through, all of that happened. Because our people, different ones of our people, identified, invited into conversations, and invested the gospel story into their life. Every single one of them. It was true of me. It was true of them. It's true of you. You have a story to tell. A wonderful story. I want to read two more verses, and we're done. But these are beautiful. Jesus, God, form, puts on human form. Human form as a servant. Human form as a servant to dying. Dying, not just death, but death on a cross. I mean, you can just see how it just digresses, digresses. But then you got the next verse, the second stanza. The second stanza says, Therefore, Therefore, God. Now, anytime you see therefore, you need to ask wherefore. Therefore is therefore, okay? Everything that we just talked about is so important that what happens now is we begin to worship God. Coming out of the cross, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him. A name is above every other name. There's no other name. There's, nobody. There's no other God that's come to earth. There's no other God that's put on flesh. There's no other God that's died on a cross. There's no other God that's risen from the dead. No other God out there. He's above every other name. So that, purpose clause, hint clause, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue confess. Oh, every knee would bow where? In heaven and earth and even under the earth. Yes, even those who die without Christ in hell will understand that Jesus was the way. He was the truth and he was the light. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. I ask you, do you know Jesus? If you don't, give your life to him now. We all will confess him one day as Lord. Give your life to him now. Experience his peace, his love, his joy, his forgiveness now. Father God, in this space, do your work in us. Don't let us waste our life. Don't let us just spend our life on self. Lord, may we, may we live a life that looks a lot like you. Investing our life in others who are far from you. Build our life, Lord.
0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Point Church Podcast. To stay up to date on all things GPC, follow us at Grace Point NWA on Facebook or Instagram. As you go, be people who show and share Jesus in everyday conversations with everyday people. Live sent.